0: I'm coming in hot. Welcome to Living Off the Land, the All Things Cleveland Podcast, with your hosts, Jordan, Jimmy, and Dan. Follow us on social media at the LOTL Podcast.
1: Yeah, coming in hot. Coming in hot. Just like the fajita. I write what I live. My life in the speaker. I'm nice with the flow. Just like the demeanor. I'm feeding my fam.
0: Alright, hello friends, welcome back Welcome in to LOTL Coming to you from Saucy Brewworks In Ohio City We are right now uh, Staged In the uh, little loft area We've got here at Saucy uh, Above the bar area and the tables uh, So we are coming to you From their Tap room And uh, yeah Welcome here with the uh, Co-host Jordan Jimmy is not here today, so we've got Paul and Steve also with us. Paul, our very, very awesome former co-host. Paul, what's up?
1: (laughs) Hey guys, how you doing? He's
0: back on the show. (laughs) And then our frequent guest, the writer of our LOTL sports take every week, Steve Stefano. What's going on, Steve? Pleasure to be with
2: you guys tonight. Feeling (laughs) saucy. Well, there it feeling,
0: is. There's the first one.
2: You woke up feeling saucy or?
0: Yeah, did you wake up feeling saucy?
3: No.
0: Oh, okay. okay. So I just kind of crept up on you as, you know, you got here.
3: Yeah.
0: Got it. Jordan, what's up?
3: Not too much, you know. Just enjoying this uh, <clears throat> buffalo chicken dip from Saucy Brewers. Yeah. It's very tasty. Yeah. It, uh, has a nice smoky flavor. Is it smoky? Uh, I don't know. It, I can't really tell. That, uh, that's what I thought. Paul, what would you think? You had some. I don't, I don't detect smoky? very much smoke.
1: I wouldn't say smoky, but I think I think I know what you're going for. It's, yeah, it's fired in the oven.
3: Maybe that's what you said—that wood
1: fire. Yeah, Anything for sure. That comes out of the oven always. It has a yeah. different taste to it, so I, I know what you're going for.
3: Yeah, it's probably not actually smoky. <laughs> it's
1: good. It's delicious. <laughs> yes,
3: exactly. All right.
0: So uh, yeah, we uh, we just want to thank the uh, fine folks at Saucy. We actually put this together on social media a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of said, "Hey." Uh, <laughs> If we showed up with a microphone and some laptops and started recording a podcast, would that be okay? They're and like, they're like, sure. So we appreciate the folks at Saucy for uh, allowing us to come here and record. Uh, come check check them out. They are uh, <laughs> on Detroit Road in Ohio City, mm-hmm. close to um, 25th. So right yeah. over.
1: This is West Point.
3: It's 29th in mm-hmm.
0: Detroit. Right? I said close to 25th. Oh yeah, 25th okay, yeah, right yeah, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're on Detroit, yeah. Detroit and 29th and uh, real close to um you know all the all the cool spots in Ohio City but also real close to
3: downtown. So yeah, yeah. come check them out. Uh, they have a really well, well we'll review them a little more later but uh, they have a really awesome space too. Uh, yeah. Think like the orders yes. ready? Exactly. And they they, Ricky's order's ready. Yeah, they <laughs> alert you when your order's ready over the loudspeaker, so Ricky, that's cool. come on down. I feel like, hey I feel like we should give a shout-out to our audience, too, that's over here. I was going to get to that. Oh, okay. Go right. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go no. Ahead. We'll, let, we'll no, let you no. Finish. no, no, do it. Do it. <laughs> you go, Dan. I'm not prepped.
1: So we'd like to thank Tom and Valerie for joining us
0: tonight. <laughs> Jordan shows me up and then won't take the baton when i hand it to him
1: it's
3: okay that's what i'm here for that's why paul's here
0: yeah see paul used to do that
3: and then we kind of lost it for for a while we learned that tom's actually a frequent listener so yeah this is awesome
0: oh and mallory's hey your order's ready mal (laughs) uh all right so let's talk real quick uh, about uh, what we're drinking tonight.
3: Obviously, it's Saucy Brew Works. That's the brew of the week. Jordan, what are you drinking right now? I am drinking their Another. I assume that's how you pronounce it. Sure. New England slash Hazy IPA. Uh, it's one of the biggest, uh, in my, from what I understand, it's one of the bigger beer trends right now, the Hazy New England IPAs. Uh, they're very fruity, very smooth. So if you're not an IPA fan... I recommend you give them a try because they're very smooth and it's a different experience. You still get the hops, you still get that bite, but it's not as bitter. Uh, it's not like a West Coast or like some of those other IPAs that are just like really strong. Um, there's actually two of them here. I have that, uh, I, can't, um, I don't have my menu in front of me, but there's another hazy IPA on the menu as well. Um, but that's what I'm drinking. Dan, what are you drinking? I've got their
0: BF Hefe, which is their Hefeweizen. Uh, really good. Really popular beer. It's one of the ones that they can, correct? Yeah, you'll yeah. see it
3: in most stores in Cleveland.
0: Very good. So uh, that's what we're drinking.
3: Let's see what Tom and Mallory are drinking. What are you drinking? Uh, actually, the as well. Oh, he's got the Heva okay. Good man. Good choice. Looks like they just got themselves a pizza, too. Sausage and pepperoni. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah.
1: Mallory describes
0: it as divine. That's right. So <laughs> we do things that's saucy. Okay, uh, so that's uh, Beer of the Week. Let's, uh, let's talk about our website like we do every week, lotlpodcast.com. Uh, we're going to be posting, finally going to be posting some uh, new updates to the website regarding our Hangout and Picture of the Week, because uh, we're going to be at Beer Fest this weekend. That's right. Which we'll get into later in the episode. But also, we've got uh, Steve's uh, LOTL Sports Take uh, which is still up there, the Browns' year-in-review uh, article that he wrote, and then we're going to be posting hopefully soon yeah. um, Steve's latest piece, which is about Steve. And
2: this piece is basically a walk down memory lane uh, through Cleveland sports history. Uh, all the trials, tribulations, uh, all the good times and the bad, and it also provides some analysis as to you know teams' performance against each other. You know who's been best in certain time periods: Cavs, Indians rounds and which teams have been more stable and which ones are really variable. Um, and if you follow the teams over the last 10 or 20 years, you can kind of tell where this is going. The, uh, the Indians have been a lot more stable, whereas the Cavaliers have been just, you know, big rise and then big fall. So we'll discuss a lot of that as well when we start coming up.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Really appreciate that. Uh, this really goes in depth this latest piece so you'll definitely uh want to check that out um steve has been doing some really great work for us so we certainly appreciate that uh very much so uh let's just get in real quick what we're going to get into in this episode uh we're going to talk about <clears throat> this latest browns article that came out today uh by i can't remember the guy's name it's uh let me pull it up here
1: matthew Set- your order is ready
0: Seth Wickersham the up? Uh, wrote a piece on ESPN.com today that just uh, talked about everything that's been going on inside the building uh, over the last six years since the Haslam's have uh, owned, the, owned the Browns. And uh, we'll get into that because there's a lot of stuff in there, and there's a lot of stuff that is pretty fascinating. So we'll talk about that for just a little bit. We will also give our Super Bowl predictions and uh, we'll talk about the game a little bit. We'll give our actual previews on the Super Bowl next week. Uh, but we'll get our predictions out there for you guys. And you can let us know if you agree or disagree. Uh, we will also be reviewing Saucy uh, Brew Works as we are here live. We'll talk about kind of the food we ordered, uh, the beers we're drinking, and just the overall atmosphere of the place. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit. And then we will continue with our newest segment on the show called What's Happening. Where we are going to get into a topic that has been pretty popular on social media. Over the last uh, few weeks, uh, the Fire Festival. So we'll get into that and the documentaries that have uh, been since come out uh, over the last few weeks, just chronicling the festival and uh, its epic failure. (laughs) (laughs) It's shocking failure, (laughs) honestly. So after that, we'll go uh, to our um, some more of our normal rhythms, the top five of the week, and the poll of the week, and then we will finish it off by talking about uh, Beer Fest and uh, how excited we are to be going to that. Just uh, kind of for people who are going for the first time, It's kind of what to expect and uh, all that stuff. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's talk about this uh, Browns article. Yeah. Oh, boy. Paul sighed really, really loudly. I don't know if you can pick that up here, but...
1: Sigh. <laughs> um, no, it, I mean, let's face it, there's been no shortage of off-the-field drama with Cleveland forever, honestly, um, especially these past six years that the Haslums have taken over the organization, and um, there's been no shortage of, you know, behind-the-scenes, kind of tidbits from former staff or former players or whatever it might be. But I have to say of all of the ones that I have read, this one goes into... This one goes far deeper than anyone I've previously read. And some of the stuff is just... It helps you understand... Barbara, your order's ready. And some of it's just downright shocking. Yeah. To say the least.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's definitely... a I, you know, obviously, uh, Wickersham put a lot of work into this. He's probably been working on this for months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's probably people that are still currently in the building that he talked to. I'm sure he talked to, you know, Ray Farmer's quoted directly in this piece, so I'm sure there's sources that he talked to that are former employees, could possibly have an ax to grind, but that doesn't mean that the stuff in the article is not true. Right. It could be
1: embellished a little bit. But that doesn't mean it's not true.
0: Josh, your margaritas ready?
1: And I mean the proof is in the pudding. Honestly, when you just see what has happened with the Browns, and honestly, funny enough, some of the stuff I actually forgot about because these past six years have felt like the longest six years yeah. in probably Cleveland sports history. Yeah. And it's just been shocking. It's just the the chaos, the discord, the lack of communication. The constant shift in what seemed to be an attitude, or a message, or a direction—it—it it, it, it comes to no surprise how things became what they were up until very recently. It comes as no shock. Right. And now you—you you always wondered how could the Browns be this bad for so long? And like you said, is everything necessarily up to snuff? Are some things probably embellished? Sure. Yeah. Everyone always has their side of a story and they're gonna, there's, there were a lot of people hurt. There were a lot of people that uh, got the rug pulled out from under them. Yeah. So yeah, there's gonna be people that have, you could say, a biased opinion, but at the same time, a lot of damage was done. And so it really comes as no shock to how the Browns were able to just start to give just a glimmer of hope and then just ramp after that, tank. For a couple of years,
0: yeah. I, you know, I thought it was—I thought it was interesting. It wasn't really surprising, but I did find it interesting that the Haslams declined to um, comment on the story, like, like add to it, um, because obviously this is a piece that just posts them in such a terrible light. I mean, as owners, like there. I mean, there's a, there's a there's a part in here where D. Haslam, Jimmy's wife says if we knew that it was gonna be this hard we never would have bought the team.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's like they really didn't know what the heck they were getting themselves into. And that showed because of the decisions that they made throughout their short tenure now as uh, Brown's coach. Where Do they've you gone mean, from through ready? What is it? How many coaches have they had since they owned the team? There was yeah, I think they fired Shermer. They fired Shermer. So Shermer, Chud like Patton Yeah, yeah.
3: Patton, Patton. Hugh, Hugh. and now Freddie. So it's it's five because Hugh had two years, right? Every other coach was one year. Is that correct? Uh, No, no, Petten had two. two. Hugh actually went into his third.
2: How many coaches is it?
1: Five. Oh, it's five? (laughs) It's five. I don't know what that
0: means. Wait, what's that? Explain, explain.
2: Uh, That comes from John Champion's call when Netherlands put five past spade in the 2014 World Cup. Oh, it's the, the it's just a... Right. It's
1: fine. But, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it certainly didn't, it didn't villainize them in any way, but it certainly didn't portray them no, as being it, the most...
0: Right. It just, it, it made them look inept, which, I mean, it's everybody knew it. Right. It's not like it's anything new.
1: And, and it's, it's interesting too that while Being willing to admit that they were underprepared, had no idea what they were getting into, and quite frankly, quote, did not know what they were doing. Right. How repetitive that got, uh, not only in just their actions, but also how they expressed that to people, where you started hearing the same thing over and over. It's like, okay, clearly you know that there's something that needs to be fixed, but you don't know how to fix it. Yeah. And quite honestly, the problem was... Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, that's, it's just interesting. Because we know people that do that. Heck, I've done it. We know, I know I've got to
0: do ready. ready.
1: I've got to do that. I know I've got to do this differently. And it's the same story time and time again, year after year. And I think also when you're, because Haslam, if I remember correctly, he was a minority owner.
0: For the Steelers, yeah. For
1: Steelers. So, you have the benefit of basically taking a backseat to the Rooney family, which has run one of, if not the most successful organization in national football. Yeah, that helped. So no wonder that it you know doesn't come as a surprise to me when they see this opportunity and they say, hey, we know how it's done. Right. We've been here. We see we see how it's done. Let's go do it. But the problem is, you weren't necessarily, as Hugh would like to say driving
0: the bus oh god (laughs) oh man what that guy (laughs) this article like we we already knew this but this article also just exemplified how full of crap that man was
1: and also I mean
0: that guy had the gall to after he was fired by the owner and the general manager to tell them to get the F out of my office when it wasn't his office anymore like how full of yourself do you have to be to te- like, if like if your boss were to come up to you and be like, hey, it's not working out, we're going to go another direction, be like, hey, leave me alone, come talk to me later.
3: Right. Like, no, that's not how things work. Literally how it It's never how it that's worked. No.
1: <laughs> it's like the episode of The Office where uh, freaking, ne- uh, was it, Nellie, or what's her name? Oh, God. oh, gosh. Where she just takes over Andy's position just says, no, I'm not leaving. That's not really how it works. Right. That's, that's right. really what you... Hey, yeah, Hugh turned
0: is, into Nellie Bertram from the office. Yeah. That's, yeah,
1: that's <laughs> a really great did. analogy. He, he really he just, did. He found his way to the head coaching position yeah. in yeah. Will Oh yeah. man. And, yeah, um, Hugh Jackson.
0: My goodness. Well what's
1: really one of the things that I found really shocking, again, just these things you find out, was the fact that pretty much everyone else except Jimmy did not want Hugh Jackson. Yeah. They said he will be a bad coaching guy. Yeah. Now, I, for one, when I heard about the hire, I was excited. I was oh, yeah, excited. most of
0: us were. I mean, this is all, this is all in hindsight. Right. I mean, you know, most people
1: were excited about Hugh Jackson, but to, like most fans. But to know that the guy who presents Jimmy with this plan, this plan that's supposed to take four years yeah. to take full effect, and Jimmy gives him his endorsement from Sashi Brown, for Sashi to come and say, hey, look, based off of what we know – Hugh is not the guy to hire. He's not <laughs> going to be a good head coach. Yep. And Haslam says, "I hear you."
0: And, and it turns does it around, anyway. goes down <laughs> to Cincinnati,
3: hires Hugh yeah. Jackson. Did you really hear him, Jimmy? Did you really though? So, do you think? Okay, so do you think Sashi Brown got a bad rep, or is he, or was no. he actually not good? No,
1: it's
3: because the teardown
0: and the rebuild. We knew it was going to be bad. But nobody expected it to be that bad. You have to, like, that's historically bad—one in thirty-one over two years. Yeah, that's right. You can blame Hugh for a lot of that, but you can also blame Sashi for a lot of that because they didn't really put him in the best situation. No, it's even to be bad. They didn't put him in the best situation. Yeah, like they put him in a position to be historically bad. Like when the Browns went, the Browns have had the, the number one pick in the draft the last two years. Like, they've had the number one pick in the draft, not by, like, a game, like, by a couple games.
1: Right. Like, it's not been close. And so... In a salary cap-driven league, you should never not win a game. Right. Right. And it's only happened... Well, until the Browns... Seth, your order's
3: ready?
1: It only happened twice, and only once in the 16-game era. Yep. So, for it to happen... 2008 Lions. So yeah. So, for it to happen within eight years of it already happening once, right. since... I'm
2: trying to remember when they inserted 16 games
1: in 2008. Oh, oh, you're
2: talking about when they When they started like, playing 16 game games. Yeah. But
1: that ain't going out. I, 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 I was, just was looking at this yesterday. It was sometime around 1980, I believe. I was thinking it was like, yeah, like <laughs> late late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, no. It, all right. Any, any of us have played a number of... Tampa was
2: an expansion team, too, so you can't even really compare them. Right, no,
1: th- and that was and things were just much different then. Um, but any of us have played, like, any number of sport games, whether it be FIFA or Madden or whatever it might be. Franchise mode or club mode or whatever you want to play. Okay, yeah, you can tear a team down and you can build it up in no time. A lot different in the real world. The amount of talent that Sashi let go, and then also just some of the draft picks that were made... Yes, there was some talent that was made, but the problem is with the Browns, when you're a bad <coughs> team. Corey
0: Coleman. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh,
1: sorry. Bad, bad. Sorry. Frog in my throat. Justin Gilbert. <laughs> well, or that, that
0: wasn't Sashi Brown.
1: Or passing on Carson Wentz.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, God. Oh, yeah. Then Hugh Jackson at the time saying, oh, he's good, but I wouldn't take him at two. But then when, when the Eagles traded up and got him and he t- turned out to be really good, Hugh yep. Jackson backtracks and says, oh, yeah, I thought he was great. I wanted him. Absolutely. I wanted him. I wanted Deshaun Watson. I wanted all these guys. Right. He didn't
1: want Cody Kessler.
0: Yeah, okay. But trust him on Cody Kessler. is yeah, what he said when him, he like, yeah, trapped trust, him. Trust me. But that's Sashi's fault. Okay.
1: No. And, and it's just... Huh.
0: I just... I just wanted to I wanted to bring up a quote in the article that, that comes from uh, Rob Chudzinski, who was coach of the Browns in 2013. And he was quoted after he was fired by saying the intensity is stronger than any the the intensity is stronger than in other markets the history of cleveland sports factors into it it gets negative faster and builds pressure faster and that's absolutely 100% true i agree absolutely i agree. browns fans don't like it's it's funny there's a there's a certain dichotomy because on one hand you see that the browns have been terrible for 20 years and yet they still have one of the most passionate fan bases but on the other hand, they're also one of the most fickle and uh, fickle and you know, trying to think of a word, quickly quickly negative fan bases yeah. when something goes wrong. Oh, like yeah. I guarantee you, if the Browns come out next year and start
1: 0-3, there are gonna be people like freaking out. There will be. There'll be people calling for John Dorsey's head, Freddie yeah. Kitchen's head. There will be people, maybe not as much, but there will be people saying I knew it. Baker wasn't the guy. It, it happens. It always happens. There are people in this town that thought that Kelly Holcomb was better than Tim Cow.
0: I'll i disagree with you on the Baker thing. I think I think people will find other people to blame but Baker.
1: I, I think for the most part they will. I just think there will It'll be... It'll be the Haslam's first. It'll be the Haslam's first.
0: And I honestly think people will turn on Freddie before, after that because it's really easy for somebody to just just say oh he's in over his head right going from running backs coach to offensive coordinator for half a year to to a head coach
1: right no Baker would Baker would not be the first casualty not by no. any means but I know that there will be people I don't know, honestly probably people just from the outside that love to you know criticize calling and saying I knew it yeah I knew it Baker should have been picked number one will that be like first and foremost No. And it'll be. yeah
0: and then good god the Johnny Menzel stuff in this article, oh my God, did you get to that part in the article, Steve? Or we uh, ta- oh yeah, we talked about it before we yeah. went on.
2: How uh, every, back, how everybody. Oh, go ahead. If I can go back just a second, you know, we were talking about the characteristics of the Cleveland fan base. How um, it, it's so different from any other city. We don't have the bravado of a Dallas or a Pittsburgh or a Boston. We don't have the ability to just um, kind of be indifferent to a team if they're bad, like a New York or a Chicago, and just go on to another team. Mm-hmm. No, it's like this is what we have, and even in two thousand sixteen when the Indians and the Cavaliers were both amazing, you know there are still some people crying about. Well, the Browns only won one game. You know it's just it's just ingrained in, and that that negativity that that just feeling in the knot of your stomach when things start to go bad that we seem to have in this town, I've not seen it anywhere else except maybe in Philadelphia, um, because they're a city that's had a, kind of a crappy. Sports history as well for the most part. So, it's just, you know, that's got to be difficult on any coach, any general manager, uh, yeah. for sure. Well, but, Paul, you're saying just by being good at Madden or FIFA, we couldn't do a better job than some of these guys? I don't know <laughs> about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is that. You don't have the pressure
0: that these guys face when you're playing Madden or FIFA. No, that's not true.
1: But either. my point being, it's the concept that they're going with, it sounds nice on paper. And it's easy, applicable in other situations, and that's my point. What they were going for is not something you can necessarily go for in the NFL. You can't just strip a team down like that and expect it to recover, especially when you didn't end up with a head coach that you actually wanted. You even claimed, you said, the coach we're getting, not a good choice. Yeah. And so it was just, a bad plan is a bad plan, and
2: it's absolutely awful when not everyone's on board. Yeah. the way you do it in the NFL is you do it like in did. you post, you have a franchise quarterback His just would go down one year so then you can do really bad get the number one pick, and so you get the next franchise quarterback right you don't trade away the core of the team that's the way to do it you get the quarterback
0: yeah so um, real quick I mean I don't want to talk about every single point in this article because we'd be here for three hours but uh, the Johnny Manziel piece obviously we know how that played out but how we, you know, we've all heard the stories about the homeless guy and <clears throat> how it was really Jimmy's pick and blah, blah, blah. I, I think it 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 does well to show how different things are compared to the way they were back then. So in 2014, we had two first-round picks. We took Justin Gilbert, who the general manager uh, kowtowed to... The head coach on that, on that pick. That was the guy Mike Pettin wanted. Yep. And then the organization said that we were going to take Teddy Bridgewater. Jimmy Haslam steps in and says, nah, I didn't like the way he shook my hand. And I really want Johnny Manziel, so that's who we're going to take. So if you're the GM, don't you put your foot down and say, no, you hired me to do a job. Are you going to let me do the job? Or why am I here? And take your guys. That's not what Ray Farmer did. No. That's what Buddy Boy did. Mm-hmm. Buddy Boy took his guys, the guys he wanted. Yep. When nobody said uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, everybody was saying Sam Darnold. Yeah. John Dorsey said, you know, we don't know who Jimmy Haslam wanted. We don't know if Jimmy Haslam wanted Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen. You know, we don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, But – We do know for 100% certainty that Baker Mayfield was John Dorsey's guy. We also know that Denzel Ward was uh, John Dorsey's guy because everybody in the world had the Browns taking Bradley Chubb Mm -hmm. or Saquon Barkley if he was there. Now he wasn't there, so it doesn't matter. Right. But they took Denzel Ward because that's who – that's John Dorsey's guy. And since then, you have John Dorsey who ran the coaching search where – Before, it was always Jimmy Haslam. Mm -hmm. So right now, I mean, you think about it, this team is as much John Dorsey's as it is Jimmy Haslam's right now. And Jimmy Haslam's the guy that writes the checks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's how much power John Dorsey's had, and for good reason because he's done a damn good job. I mean, you can't find find an acquisition or something that they did that hasn't worked out. Now, they gave up a third-round pick for Tyrod Taylor. But, I, you know,
1: that's a lot. But. Yes and no. But right. You know, for, for what they were going for, for a team that was coming off 0-16, I'm sorry. The, yes, you can find players in any round. That's yeah. been proven. But it's also just, you know, it's quite frankly a luck of the draw. You can do as much research as you want the talent in the third round just usually isn't as steady. Now, you're still looking for a solid player there, but I'm sorry, there was no player in the third, just that third round pick that the Browns were going to get that was going to change the organization. Now, for me, I remember a lot of people gave that backlash, but that to me was just an example of John Dorsey using the assets that he had to fill a hole that he saw and... I don't know anyone now that is lamenting the loss of a third-round pick for Tyron Taylor. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Nobody's going to care. No.
0: And the fact that we have a franchise quarterback now and we're a competitive football team, you know, uh, the draft was our Christmas. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, our Christmas is hopefully going to be the playoffs and hosting playoff games from here on out. So, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be a less of an emphasis on the draft. So a third-round pick, who cares? But anyway, that that's uh, that's the uh, the gist. I kind of wanted to talk about with the article. There's a lot of other stuff in that article. Go read it on ESPN.com. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it, it's a really long article, but read the whole thing. I you you definitely um, won't be upset that you did. Shout out to Seth Wickersham who wrote it on ESPN.com. I'm sure you're out there listening, Seth. Shout out. We appreciate it. Yeah.
2: And don't do what the Browns marketing team did.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) I don't even want to get into that. Read the article and you'll find out what Steve just referred to. (laughs) So, anyway, um, real quick, let's go around and um, give our Super Bowl predictions of the big game next Sunday. Not this Sunday, next Sunday. I'll go first. Okay, Jordan.
3: Jordan. Rams by a touchdown.
0: Oh, yeah? Is that just because you don't want to see the Patriots win? Yep. Okay. That's 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 why got it uh i'm gonna say uh i don't want to but i've got to say the patriots i they i mean they lost last year but that's because the eagles were a team of destiny i just there was there was nothing but fate working against the patriots last year there's not that going
2: this year i just think they're gonna win you the Rams were the best team in the league in September and October. I just don't, I just don't get that feeling that they're playing at their best. I think they were extremely, extremely lucky to get by New Orleans. Uh, everybody talks about the penalty that wasn't called and all that. Um, but the other thing is that Bill Belichick is the master. Sean McVay is the young gun. I just, it's hard for me to take the young coach over the old coach. I'm going Patriots. Yeah. Uh...
1: Man, this, this is tough. And it's funny what you say about a team of destiny. Another example of that is when Baltimore faced San Francisco. Yeah. I wanted San Francisco to win, but my brother made that point, and I knew he was right. Baltimore was destined to win. San Francisco didn't have a chance. Ray Lewis was about to retire. It was going to happen. Yeah. So in this instance, I, it's amazing what Sean McVay has done. The Rams are loaded with a lot of talent, but against Kansas City, Belichick and Brady and the rest of the crew once again just showed how efficient they can be when it matters most at picking apart and dismantling what many would consider probably the second best team in the league this year, if not the first. Yeah. So, I. I I don't see the Patriots losing. I don't see it happening. I don't either. This is Tom Brady's fifth straight Super Bowl? Third. Third straight. Sorry. Fifth straight AFC Championship. Game. Eighth. part Eighth straight I, AFC Championship. Is it eight? I can never remember. It's so many. He's been to so many. So, eight straight AFC Championship games. That's right. Games. Won, won the Patriots,
0: Steve, eight straight AFC Championship like games. I, yeah,
2: because the last team that made well... It's our third
0: straight Super Bowl.
2: Because the last three teams that made it over, it was the AFC was not the Patriots. Denver, Denver, and Baltimore, and those teams beat New England to get there. Yep. True. Yeah. You would have had to go all the way back to this. I believe the Steelers Mm -hmm. Super Bowl Forty Five. Maybe it was even uh, Indianapolis Super Bowl Forty Four. Yeah. Yep. So I.
1: I'm sorry, I think the Patriots are gonna pull it off. The Rams might give a fight, but I think the Patriots have this one. I do
0: too. It's unfortunate, but. It is. All right,
2: Jordan, you awake? I am. Okay, cool. <coughs> uh, let- Andreas, order's ready, Andreas.
0: So we got a new segment that we debuted last week. Jimmy brought up uh, serial killer documentaries on Netflix. So we talked about that. I'm going to stay in the uh, Netflix realm, streaming, and uh, let's talk about Fire Festival. Ooh. Uh, so Netflix and Hulu both came out with competing documentaries on this ridiculous
3: failed music festival that was supposed to rival Coachella. And if, you have, if, you, if you're not familiar with what this is, which I would say most people who are on social media know what this is, If you're not, while you're listening, Google it real quick, and you'll learn all you need to know within five minutes probably. Right. Uh, The the gist of the story was uh, Ja Rule and this young entrepreneur tried to start up, as Dan was saying, like uh, a rival to Coachella, but even more expensive and more luxurious, and they wanted to host it on a private Bahama island. Uh, They wanted it to be super luxurious with tickets ranging well, starting at like $1200 and going as high as 50 grand. And they promised everything from beautiful little villas to full like huge houses to yachts. There was all these packages. They were they they wanted they were promising like sushi, amazing sushi chefs and luxury food, all kinds of crazy stuff. And the crazy thing is people bought into it. Because there is uh, a market for that, apparently. Um, and they actually sold thousands of tickets. Young rich kids willing to spend mommy and daddy's money? Yeah. <laughs> what? There's definitely a market for that. Uh, the crazy thing is, the guy, Billy McFarland, or Billy Farland, I can't remember. McFarland. McFarland. Yeah. He's a scam artist. Oh, my god. He's basically been scamming people his whole life. Yep. And long story short, uh, and this is not a spoiler or anything, you can read this anywhere, every... Penny he used to convince any anyone from the artists they wanted to have for this festival to the food catering company. Every almost every penny was scam. It was he would make stuff up. He would uh, you know sweet talk investors and people. It was unbelievable. Yep. Uh, you really have to watch both of these documentaries to fully understand the what exactly happened. It's mind boggling. Um, uh, so. Well, one interesting thing is these are competing documentaries, which is odd. Like they're at odds with each other. Like they made it publicly known that they don't like each other. Uh, they're both very good. The Hulu one I would say focuses more on Billy. Yeah. Who he is. Yeah. Why, they actually, they actually yeah, got. They, they interviewed they, him. They got too. him to agree to do an interview. Yeah. Him, uh, and which they, was awkward. Very awkward. And they kind of focus more on his upbringing. And what inspired him to do this, and kind of a little bit into why he is a scam artist, although they don't, you can't really get that answer because he refuses to give, you know, he, I don't think he knows why he does what he's doing. Right. The Netflix one was more nitty-gritty, focusing specifically on, like, the fine details of what went wrong. So, for instance, the food. Why, did, why was there no food on the island when the guests started right. showing up to explain that? Uh, the t- the housing situation. Why was there FEMA tents for housing as opposed yeah. to luxury villas? These these villas right. or
0: uh, cabanas that they were they reported were called, that yeah. they were literally selling and taking money from. Yeah. These people for were uh,
3: hurricane uh, emergency hurricane tents. Yeah. So uh, so why is that? They explain how from A to B to C how that happened. Um, you
0: actually see. Like, people, like, this thing actually, like, happened. Like, like you hear about this thing, like, yeah. this is, like, this This doesn't sound, like, real. Like, no, people really actually happened. flew to the Bahamas yeah. and showed up for this thing and immediately were, like...
3: And the, the, the craziest part is, four or five months out, a lot of the people were, like, yeah, we'll never be able to pull this off. Yeah. But they went for it anyways. And a lot of it was that, and they did explain this, and I can buy this, that a lot of times when you're a part of a big project, you have that fear like, God, are we going to pull this off? Are we going, even like, I've heard even couples that are going to get married, like, is this really going to happen? Are we going to have it all done in time? But you know you have that faith that you're like, it's been done before, you know, the human spirit comes together. That stuff's realistic. And that's what they're explaining, because a lot of the dudes that were part of this team were like, you look at their resumes... And they're well respected, like producers or like yeah. marketing strategists, and you're like, yeah. But how this in the world? this guy like, conned them into yeah. all of this. Yeah. Like yeah, well, he was lying to them about funding. Yeah,
0: too. promising like, oh, you're gonna get paid this much. Uh, yeah. You know, you're gonna be part of this, and you know, you know, we can't wait to see where it's gonna go from here. It's gonna be bigger than Coachella. Yeah. It's gonna,
3: you know, well, all this cra- stuff. Like it's <laughs> gonna be
0: the it's gonna be the next Woodstock.
3: The craziest part is, he convinced. Major Lazer, Blink-182, Good Music Family, which includes Kanye's group. Yeah. Um, who else? Oh, there was a couple other big artists. Oh, Lil Migos. Yachty, Migos. Like, these are some huge artists. And he convinced all of them until, like, 24 hours before the show, the show was about, the, the yeah. festival was supposed to kick off, that that this was going to happen. Yeah. And it all started, if I remember correctly, with Blink-182 announced Blink 182, about posted 24 hours. Posted on their, hours, posted like, on their the Instagram, Instagram
0: saying, hey, yeah. uh you know due to you know we talked as a as a group and we just don't feel comfortable uh coming to this thing and whatever and it was all because the artists weren't getting paid
3: yeah right
0: like they were all supposed to be paid up front none of them saw a dollar right and so they like the week of they're starting to like contact like billy and the team and all this like hey where the heck's our money like like what is what is going
3: on one of my favorite parts was when they explained the food situation, because that got real oh, popular. God. Basically, they they served cheese sandwiches to the, yeah. the people there. And so I was like, how in the world did this happen? So the one guy was explaining, we had a $6 million contract with a luxury catering company that was... I, basically, they served, like, high-end cruise ships and stuff like this. And they were... Like, I think they said a week out or two weeks out, they they called up and they were like, $6 million right now, oh, we're pulling out. And Billy's like, uh, I don't have the money. Sorry. So then they're like, F you, and they pulled out, right? So then they had to like, they contacted like local bars and restaurants on this tiny little island, which is where one of the big Sandals resorts is, and they contacted them. And they, they were like, what do you expect us to do? Yeah. We can, like, we only have enough staff and, and food to serve our daily amounts to, our, to the people here. Like, and the crazy thing is, I didn't know this, but apparently that same weekend, a big boat race was going on. Yes. And for Bahamans, well, is it Bahamans or Bahamians? Steve. For people who live, is it Bahamans or Bahamians? Bahamians. Baham- for Bahamians. This is, like, their super... <coughs> literally, so, like, this is their biggest, like, sporting so, event of the year. So,
0: originally, the festival wasn't supposed to take place on that island. Right. It was supposed to take place of on the, the island that Billy
3: bought. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> well, because, he wanted to buy well, it. Well, so. yeah, that's, yeah. you know, whatever. You watch the documentary. Yeah, yeah and you, you, and you all understand that, that, yeah. But they were forced to move the festival because
3: that island was uninhabitable. They didn't have... No. They, there was no power. There was no... But don't forget, in the Netflix one, they explained. Pablo Escobar's yeah. lawyers and family still owns it. He used that island as a drop off and a, and a take off point for his drugs. Yeah. and his lawyers got involved, and they're like, "Oh, absolutely not! Like we, the you know, his family still owns the island. Like, don't do this." So this island that he was gonna buy, which by the way that wouldn't have worked either. It was it's completely uninhabited. It's a wild yeah, island. Yeah, there's island. there's
0: no yeah. There's it's no, essentially a
3: pirate. There's no out. plumbing. It's just right. it's just
0: a it's just a uh, it's uh, just a rock basically. Yeah, a, like a like a sand pile. Yeah.
3: There's nothing yeah. on it. There's literally, literally no nothing. On it. It. So when they moved to, I think they called it the Greater Exuma, the Exuma Island, which is yeah, where it's, it's another island of is Bahamas. I mean, people go there to, to to travel. Like they have one of the Sandals resorts there. Yeah. But here's the thing, Sandals resorts completely booked no room because of that festival or the 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 race or whatever so it was just chaos chaos from said so yeah. finishing the craziest part is you see Billy so delusional so whatever the word is yeah he's literally running around just kind of like in a zoned out yeah, while here. these crazy like the kids are like well, what's going on where is the festival and he's just kind of just standing there and you look at like clips of and him he and he, and he you're just, just like yeah, he was standing on like people were we're outside the house where like the team
0: and the production team and all that were like staying and he eventually comes out gets on the table and he's just like go find a tent
3: yeah and then so and like they're just, like again, uh,
0: where's our hurricane tents where's like. our cabanas where's our yeah.
3: uh, where's our housing oh, where's, you even had some like Instagram influencers who were promised luxury houses yes
0: and, so they, had, and had, a had, few
3: of them showed not all of them showed up because a lot of them learned or within with a few weeks ago they're like Oh this isn't happening. Yeah. But a few did. And they're like hey, this, this like we all, have a whole house. Like where is our house? This
0: all came together because of a mar- like a social media marketing yeah. campaign. Yeah. They paid a bunch of models including and, uh, and influencers on social Kylie media Kendall Jenner Bella Kendall Hadid Jenner. or Kendall Jenner Bella Hadid to just, ha- to, just Hadid. to just post this yeah. orange just an orange block. Yeah. And it, and when you clicked on it it linked to The fire festival page, and that's how you found out about it. Because all these people,
3: because
0: all these people who follow all these influencers, like all these models, all these you know bands, whatever, Mm -hmm. that posted this, immediately went to. So they got millions and millions of hits on their site, on their social media pages, and that's how they tricked people into doing this.
1: So all I need to do is become Instagram famous. So yep. a scam artist will find me
0: Insta-famous.
1: and pay me money to post a link <laughs> well, that to, people will follow to a sh- shiny to, site.
3: To be fair to some of the, the, the models and influencers, a lot of them honestly were like, well, cool, this sounds fun. Yeah, we'll do it. Oh, sure. And they they honestly weren't part of the scam. They had no idea. They yeah, literally had I no idea. The, the reason why they didn't show up, because a lot of people were like, oh, well, they were part of it too. No. They have agents. The agents contacted the fire guys and they were like, hey... Like, you know, uh, Bella Hadid wants to know where she needs to fly in, where is she going to stay, like, blah, blah, blah. And then they quickly learn, oh, this is not happening. Yeah. And so they all pulled out. Yeah, it was chaos. It's chaos. I mean, I don't want to give too much more away because it's really worth watching. Long story short, uh,
0: Billy McFarland's in jail. For six years. Six years for wire fraud, securities
3: fraud. All kinds of frauds. Yeah, (laughs) all that stuff. He's just a... He's, he's just he,
0: an, he's just a con artist and a sociopath he's, he's a con artist yeah
3: that's the best way to describe him. sociopaths yeah. are like yeah. the highest like because he doesn't really seem to have uh, remorse for this no he doesn't he didn't understand why he had to go to jail they explained that in the Netflix one he, he literally was like why am I going to jail like he's like why would I go to jail and they're like oh because you broke the law like yeah. multiple times because like, you cost like people millions of dollars the saddest part in the netflix one day explained like the lady who ended up taking over the food yeah she owns a bar like a fun little island bar restaurant yeah on the beach she's suing uh fire media for like a hundred thousand dollars because they she took 50 grand out of her own savings account they never paid her to pay her her employee's because yeah. they never played her and she was like, Well and I can't screw for the food that she she's made. like, I can't screw my employees. So she pulled fifty grand out of her own savings account to pay them and she's like, This ruined me. She's like, I don't have savings anymore. Yeah. Like so yeah, it's it's crazy. There's a lot so of they're still lost. That's why you're going to jail, Billy. <laughs> yeah. For six years. Anyways, the Hulu one and the Netflix one, while they're at odds with each other, they're both great. Hulu goes a little more into Billy's mind, um, and the minds of a few other specific people. Netflix goes into the minds of basically the entire production staff that was just like, this is why, you know, from A to Z, this is what happened and why this, you know, food didn't happen, why tents didn't happen, or why tents <laughs> happened and not villas. You know, They explain the whole, so it's a little more detailed than Netflix. All of
2: you business management types out there, Uh, This is a... This podcast is a lesson to you. Don't be like the Haslams and don't be like the guys (laughs) at the Fire Festival. Uh, This is is how you fail. This this
3: is now a business podcast. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, we definitely uh,
0: suggest... Jordan and I have watched both. Uh, We definitely suggest checking out those documentaries. They're both really good. Um, It's captivating stuff, truly. I mean... Just to my, my favorite part and not favorite because it sucks for those people, but to see those people get to that island <laughs> realize, what the hell is yeah, they're, this? <laughs> they're like, like this they much? were they were taken from the airport to the festival site in a school bus. Yeah. Uh, not they, not, a, not a not a not a not a charter bus, not uh, a not no. even like a lakefront line. The, be- or the best
3: part is the driver of the school bus, he's like, just so you all know. This yeah. is not what you're thinking it is, yeah. and they showed some clips, and people are like, "Wait, so what's all these tents?" And they're and like, tents, "And he's like, Yeah, this is it. This is where you're gonna be.'" And, and people he, are like, "What?" And these like, tents weren't even like the tents were up, but, but they like, weren't like sealed. there were
0: there were mattresses everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There was like all this stuff. Like it was there was there were semi truck beds that were just just like sitting, and there was just pallets everywhere, <laughs> was just. It looked like Yeah It was just It, it looked like a scene out of Lost Is what it looked like
1: I have got to watch this
0: Yeah you have to watch You will You, you will Your jaw will be open For yeah. half of it It's insane What the what, Number one What these guys thought They could get away with Number two The reality of the fact That they couldn't pull it off And yet they still Tried to do it And then the aftermath After everything Was all said and done It was Crazy so check that out, that was what's happening here on L O T L. next week we'll have uh, something from Jordan. Jordan will come up with something for us to sure. talk about. And uh, we will go over that then. So let's uh, let's real quick
3: talk about saucy brew works. So and uh, our experience here so far.
2: I'm
3: I'm uh, oh, my food's right, I'm just yeah, kidding. I, didn't, that that didn't order. Uh, I'm a big fan of saucy. We started coming here last summer. Um, I was really impressed by the layout Uh, it's got a little bit of everything it's got a nice open layout it's got an upstairs and a downstairs they have like a lounge area they have tables they have stand-up bars they have regular bars they have skee-ball they have giant TVs everywhere but not in like a distracting way just like in certain parts of the bar it's really good and you have a great TV so it's a great place to watch a baseball game or a a basketball game or something Um, and on top of that uh the thing the part that really counts the beer is amazing it's in my opinion i would i would put them easily top five for quality and creativity and and options um where exactly they land on that is open i I don't really think there's a a, a, you know specific spot that top five easily in the city one of the best breweries the food's incredible um The pizzas are wood-fired, very delicious. They have all kinds of other options. They're not wood-fired. Oh, my bad. Not wood-fired. Oven-fired. 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 It's a conveyor. But they have... uh, But it has a good crisp, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. ...good Mm -hmm. oven taste. Um, And they have a lot of other sides. Uh, We we tried the buffalo chicken dip today. Very delicious. Uh, A very unique flavor. And it had blue cheese on it, which some people aren't a fan of. But... Uh, I'm sure you could ask him to not have that. <laughs> um, and they served it with little tiny, like, bread. Crustini. Yeah. What are they called? Crustini. Those. Yeah. Um, so it,
0: it's, it, it's community seating. Yeah. Um, they don't have servers. It's just the bartenders. So yeah. uh, when you want to, if you're not sitting at the bar and you want to order food or order a drink, you go up to the ends of the bar where they have the registers and you just order there. And then they will call your name when your food's ready. So as you've you've been hearing uh, about (laughs) 10 times so far, Uh, but it's really cool. They've got, you know, they've got games. They've got ski ball here. It's a great place to come watch a game. Uh, They have a really cool patio when the weather's nice, uh, which is great. And um, yeah, it's just a really cool place. Uh, Open kitchen that you can see from inside, outside. Uh, You can see into their brewery, which is cool. And
3: uh, yeah, they've, they even have a fireplace. One, yeah. One thing I really want to focus is um, they have a good mix of classic beers, like you know, Hefeweizen, wheat beer. A that's lot of Jordans here, not tonight. me. Um, IPAs. One thing that's really cool is they get a little experimental. Uh, so they have um, some like they have one thing called a torch marshmallow stout. Uh, they have two hazy IPAs, which are the big rage right now. Very smooth and drinkable IPAs, and they're very delicious. Uh, so yeah, have, the, the beer is just a great. They even have a cider too. So mm-hmm. if you're into, if you're into that, um, but uh, yeah, so it's it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great place. Great beer, great food. So. Awesome. For yeah, for sure, definitely. Um,
0: really small menu, basically just pizzas and a couple appetizers. They have really good meatballs, which are good too. Uh, a couple salads. So it's a very restrict menu. So. They're good at what they do. They specialize in certain things, and they're really good at it. So um, definitely come check them out. And we will check out their beer again tomorrow night because we will be at the Cleveland Beer Fest. Yeah,
3: the Beer Fest is coming up this weekend. It's actually a biannual event. They have one in the winter and one in the summer. So,
0: yeah, obviously we're going to the Winter Beer Fest this weekend. It's going to be at the Huntington Convention Center downtown. Uh, we went last year, which was an absolute blast. And uh, so for uh, our topic of the beer fest and what we're doing this weekend, we've got our top five and our poll of the week. So, Jordan, do you want to go through your top five?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And Thanks.
0: our top five this week is our uh, top five most anticipated breweries that are
3: going to be at the uh, beer that beer fest this weekend. Um, so for me, I'm going to go from five to one. Yep. Uh, number five, Wild Ohio Brewing You can actually get these pretty much In Giant Eagles and most Stores like that um, Wild Ohio Brewing makes All gluten free beer And the catch or the, the, the Gist or the, their specialty I should say is uh, It's tea beer So it's tea infused beer that's gluten free Interesting Very flavorful, very different it, it does taste like beer But it's not beer in the traditional sense they have four or five different flavors. Um, I am a big fan, uh, and I'm really looking forward to trying some of their new flavors at the beer fest tomorrow. Um, number four, New Holland Brewing, one of my favorite brewing companies. It's in Michigan. Ooh. They make. A, they're famous for Dragon's Milk, which is a very intense. That uh, state order. up north. Um, have you had Have you had I that have, one before? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a very famous dark beer, and. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to trying their, whatever they have out. Number three is Butcher and the Brewer. It's a very hard-to-find beer in Cleveland. Basically, you can get it at Butcher and the Brewer and Tremont Taphouse. <laughs> well, but, like, you can't, like, buy them in stores, you know? Yeah, and tree, get it yeah, Tremont Taphouse. And also. Tremont Taphouse, which they own. Um... Number three, Brick and Barrel, another one of those rare, smaller breweries in Cleveland in that's the Flats. That's on Columbus, right? It's in the Flats, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's
3: it's on that hill in um, Columbus. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to try that so place out. It's a place I absolutely, we all have to absolutely go yeah. to sometime. They're going to be there and they're going to have their Rally Possum beer, which Brown stands. Brown stands yeah. should know about the Rally Possum. <laughs> I love the Rally it's Possum. A, it's a brown ale, so it looks good. Um, You're number, a brown ale. <laughs> yes. number one for me, though, is Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, it's in Colorado. It's one of the OG craft breweries, and it's my absolute favorite brewery of they all there time. They were last year, right? It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my favorite of all time. If you ever see agave wheat or vanilla porter, you should buy it. I guarantee you, you will like those beers. Agave wheat is my actual favorite beer of all time. So it's very delicious. So those are my top five. All right,
0: uh, Jimmy's not going to have a top five because he's not here today. So. Uh, And I'm the only one, the only other person here that's going to Beer Fest, so I'll give my top five. Uh, Five for me, uh, I have, I tried to go with local breweries that are going to be there that I haven't tried yet. Um, So five for me is Railroad Brewing Company. Jordan told me it's in Avon Lake, or Avon, Avon, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited to try them out. Uh, Four is Goldhorn Brewery, which is downtown, which I've been wanting to try for like two years since they opened, but just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, three for me is Boss Dog Brewing, which is in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Boss, Boss Dog, Dog I Cleveland believe. Cleveland Heights?
3: Yeah, I believe it's Cleveland Okay, Heights on the
0: field. east side. Yeah. I don't get to the east side much, so uh, that'll be cool to try out there. And then two for me are two uh, staples in Cleveland, Saucy Brew Works. Uh, yeah. gotta sh- I, I, got, I had to have them in the top five. Oh, We're at their place. Yeah, absolutely. So, And then number one for me, which is don't which is the beer I most frequently drank at the beer fest last year? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> because I tried it there for the first time, and I was like, "Holy crap, what is this?" Is uh, Butcher and the Brewer specifically their Albino Stout? Which, if you're going to the beer fest, get it. Worth it. it. It's won't, worth it. it
3: they they're not they don't take your tickets anyway, so you're not wasting a ticket. Yeah. Well, we can't really say that they. Uh, allegedly Technically are supposed to take a ticket. Allegedly Let's put it this way We get 25 I yeah. left with 12 So <laughs> And I had more than 25 samples And they're what? They're 5 They're 5 So they, they're 5, five, five ounce. ounce pours Yeah um, So you get to get a good A good taste of every yeah. beer They give you a plastic um, little plastic 5 ounce yeah. mug I want to say this too Let's go ahead and Do the full preview Before we get into our next segment Of the Cleveland Beer Fest uh, Well that's pretty much it well, I would just want to go over prices well, and stuff. Well, hold
0: on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's,
3: let, uh, okay, yeah, just do that, that. That's all I mean. Yeah, yeah. do that, so do that. Just as a reminder, Cleveland Beer Fest is this Friday and Saturday, uh, 8 to 11.15. And let me tell you, at 11.15, they, will they kick, they kick you, out. you out. They're like, so get out. Do not think there's this after party yeah. at, no. It's at Huntington Convention Center downtown. $50 to $55, depending on when you buy your ticket. It's a little pricey, but it's 100% worth it if you like craft beer and if you just, like, want to do something different, and that's not going to a bar. Um, they have five food trucks Jeffrey that are going to be there. Barrio um, will be there. Barrio's one of them. Uh, and they have 120-plus breweries from the, across the nation. I mean, you're going to find some breweries you've never heard of before, oh, and Alaska. it's really cool. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's actually a pretty well-known brewery now. Yeah. But. But yeah, they're, they're one of the sponsors. Um, it's awesome, all the bartenders, you know, the people that work at the booths are so much fun. Like, you're gonna have a good time. Just pace yourself, because you're drinking really high percentage beers, and do not mix a ton of porters and IPAs and things like that. Um, I was very smart last year and stuck to only, I had like one porter, but the majority of my beers were wheats or IPAs. You just have to be smart, because that's a lot of different liquids going, <laughs> mixing. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, All right, so that's our top five. Uh, That's us talking about the Beer Fest. Uh, Just kind of the last thing we wanted to go over real quick is our poll of the week, and it kind of ties in. Uh, We wanted to know, does Cleveland have too many breweries? Yes
3: or no? Thoughts? So I have a lot of thoughts on this. I just want to say most of the people in our polls, it was around 80% for both, said no. We do not have too many. And about 25% said, yes, we do. I have a lot of thoughts. I read up, actually, a couple articles on this. This does not make me an expert. I'm just saying, uh, from what I, this is my opinion. And I did talk to, I've talked to a couple local brewery owners who have told me they're two cents. Basically, my theory, which they told me and I read about, is that, no, we don't have too many. And the reason why is because we're going back to the way breweries used to be. So people in America have this idea that breweries are Bush or Bud Light, these giant corporations that are, you know, based at all, you know, breweries all over the country and, you know, millions and millions and millions of beer. The old way, breweries used to be the neighborhood bar. So, you know, it wasn't, you couldn't just order from a wholesaler and just get all these different beers in your general store. So a lot of times if you wanted beer, you had to actually go to a brewery. This is pre-prohibition. So it was very common. If you look at, there's a book called about, I, I, I'll find the title one day, but it's about Cleveland breweries. You think they have a lot of breweries now? You should see how many breweries were there before Prohibition. It's shocking. And the reason why, and the guys from, the guys from um, Terrestrial Brewing explained this to me, because this is a concept they follow. It's the neighborhood brewery. So they didn't have cars. They didn't even have trains a lot of times back when breweries started. So people would walk to the closest brewery and there was tons of breweries because each neighborhood wanted a drink. So Terrestrial Brewing's models based off that. They are secluded, they're in Battery Park which not a lot of people actually know about. They're surrounded by fancy condos and apartments. They have now a restaurant next door. So how do they stay afloat? It's simple. They literally depend on that Battery Park neighborhood and Gordon Square to support them, and so far it seems like it's working. And so he was explaining to me, he personally did not believe there is going to be a bubble, because he sees Cleveland a great example. Also, is West Park, um, the brewery, a uh, working class brewery in West Park, very small brewery in like just little strip mall, but they have a huge local support. So I personally don't think there's too many for that reason, because I think. Cleveland neighborhoods are, are adopting their like for instance I do that with Fatheads I'm free the bar the brewery I go to most is Fatheads because I live a minute away from it that's my brewery you know so they're also a great brewery but uh, that's just my two cents so personally no I don't think there's too many breweries and I can't wait to see more <laughs> of them keep popping up which by the way there's around 35 now in the Cleveland metro area so yeah I uh, I also don't
0: think there's there's uh... I don't think there's too many. Uh, I I just... I, you know, I, I look around, like, Cleveland, and I just see resurgence around every area of Cleveland, and you're seeing these breweries pop up in those areas. Like, yeah. look, at, look at Saucy Brewers, like, right yeah. now. Like, right next door used to be a parking lot. There's an apartment complex going up. There's an apartment complex across the street. There's a brand-new apartment complex down there by the bridge. So, as... Uh, you know there's this influx of people especially young people who are moving more towards the city of Cleveland rather than out towards the suburbs it's kind of switching like how it was in the 90's and the early 2000's and with more young people generally that's more people who go out and drink beer and you know socialize and stuff like that and there's going to be more more breweries that pop up you just look around in this area there's this place saucy Platform. Bookhouse just opened. Bookhouse. Uh, platform, platform. Market Garden. Uh, market Garden. Great Lakes, the OG. Great Lakes is over there. Yeah. Forest City. Forest City. <laughs> Nano. Nano. Bad Tom. Bad Tom. Bad Tom Smith. Bad Tom Smith. Yeah. And that, that that's just Ohio City. Yeah. Like
3: there's also the places in Lakewood. There's. Right. Uh, there's actually not a lot in Lakewood. But the big one is uh, Bottlehouse Brewery. Well, there's Bottlehouse, Buckeye. There's Tec- I mean, Buc- oh, they oh, make their right. own beer. Buckeye Beer Engine is a brewery, a, a really micro brewery. And then there's going to be a new one called Birdhouse Brewery. That's going to be. In oh, Bur- that's going to be, or, be I'm your sorry, favorite. Uh, Birdtown, Birdtown, and it's going to be in Birdtown. That's going to be your favorite. They're actually taking over at church, so it's going to be in a church. It'll be a church brewery. Very interesting. You can worship and. Uh, I'm but just
0: but I mean, but I mean like, and then you just see like. The enormity of yes. fathead, like what Fatheads has become. Yeah,
3: suburban brewery. Huh? They're a suburban brewery.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, like they. No, but I mean, like they, they just mean... built a ninety thousand square foot warehouse right. to basically be able to ship their beer all across the, the country. Yeah. So, so it's it's not slowing down. No. And in my opinion, I don't think it's saturated. and I agree with you. I don't think there's going
3: to be that bubble because I because I think people are going to claim their neighborhood's brewery as their own. Right.
1: No, I, <clears throat> I don't think there are too many. And just tying into what you've said and what these, um, <clears throat> like these owners have shared, it's, you know, we, we gravitate towards what we love. Yeah. We love being able to pick a favorite spot. Yeah. And we do that with, most often, we do that with bars, breweries, things like that, and restaurants. And that's very hot in Cleveland right now. Yeah. Like Dan was saying, you just see all the growth that's going around Yes. Yeah. There's, there's endless well, Cleveland, breweries. Cleveland's become,
0: Cleveland's become one of the biggest uh, brewery Region, cities in the
3: yeah. country. Yeah. yeah. They're, and so, they're, they're a nation nationally known now. And no, I don't well, think
1: there are too
3: many. Paul, oh, I want to get your opinion on this, too, because Mallory, our friend, brought this up. How she, she said she and her husband are going through the book, the little mm-hmm. password book, so they're having a good time checking out all these new breweries, right? She told me and us that she's kind of really enjoyed the food aspect of breweries. And obviously, you're a chef. You're a big foodie. You know, you've mentioned too, you like, Noble Beast. Um, of course, I'm not going to remember any other uh, uh, other ones right now. But Noble Beast comes to mind. Masthead. Masthead. Uh, mm-hmm. Breweries that Saucy. also... Saucy. Breweries that also uh, emphasize Market food. Garden. Yeah, Market Garden. Breweries that Green, emphasize... Great Lakes. Yeah, that emphasize food, like... that's a huge thing so this isn't just some crazy young bar that you know is attracting binge drinkers like this is a whole experience you'll see kids there are some that do that though oh yeah I mean that is yeah like you have places
1: like Platform who doesn't like they don't have food really they don't have food food, but the experience that they're selling too isn't that of like you said just like they do
3: feature a a food every day yeah Yeah.
1: right but it's not an experience like you said where and I've worked in a place where it literally is just a watering hole it's literally here come get beer come get a lot of it and yeah maybe a window gets broken maybe a fight breaks out yeah. but you can get a lot of cheap beer yeah. no they they are selling a complete experience whether they have food whether they feature food yeah. or you know maybe
3: they just have some snacks well, at the Well, bar. even the ones that don't have food so the ones that come to my terrestrial platform uh, Forest City just around the corner here uh, bookhouse bookhouse uh, so what about
0: bottle hop but they don't have food.
3: Bottle House, they have yep. food. No, they don't. But what they usually do is a they either bring food trucks in. Yeah. They'll either bring or, a restaurant in the actual brewery. Or to they cook allow you fresh. to bring food in. Or mm-hmm. like Bottle House is a good example. They yeah. highly encourage people go right. to Angelo's. It's right across the street, basically. Bring a pizza.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing. What the thing about breweries is they encourage you to experience something as opposed to literally just going somewhere yeah. to get a drink. You're right. They encourage you to experience something. And so with like Tom and Mallory doing a tour and you know with this right. little stamp that you can do, what you're doing. Shout out Tom and Mal. Shout out to out. Tom and Mal. Uh, what you end up doing is while you do gravitate towards your spots and we love like having our place. Yeah. You end up exploring parts of the Cleveland that maybe you don't frequent that often or you never thought to go to and you end up out there and you're like, oh wow. I didn't know this was here. Right. Maybe it's a museum. Maybe it's a park. Maybe it's uh, you know, some sort of venue. But you end up exploring more of the city. A,
3: yeah. great, a great example is that is when we first went to Forest City Brewing. Um, we discovered Duck Rabbit Coffee. Mm-hmm. There's, a yep. me- there's a meadery also in Which there. Which is fantastic. Yeah, it is. There's a meadery also in there. They have this awesome patio like a backyard and it's then there's like, like a backyard there's it's like fantastic. this al- also like this divy-ish bar across Rock the Island. street it's called yeah that's really cool too like so we discovered all this stuff just by going to one brewery that we hadn't been to yet yeah
1: so, yeah no it's 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 amazing it yeah. it encourages yeah. growth um like you said places that even if they don't have food they offer opportunities for other people to have food um They've had uh, oh shoot oh I'm trying to remember the name of it it's a it's uh, a catering uh, no, it's a it's, um, it's like Mountain Man Biscuit Company or something like that yeah they've had them there numerous times they do they're, on, and they're a pop up and they do biscuits yeah. Yeah. and yeah. quiche and things like that so or there's like hey, you're a quiche I am a quiche or hey there's a great restaurant right across the street or right next door or just up right. the street yeah. so. No, I, I don't think there are too many. I think it's great. I think there's room for, I'm sure, many more. And it encourages growth. It encourages excitement. It encourages exploration. Right. So who doesn't love having, like, their spot? Right, know? exactly. People gravitate. And people also try something new. Yeah. All right, so I would... Go
2: ahead, Steve. The last word here. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think the really big thing to remember is is that before the brewery boom that you guys just so eloquently described began we had a really big boom in the restaurant scene in Cleveland that's Mm -hmm. true and it got to the point where a lot of people started to say well you got Michael Simon you got Rocco and you got all these you know signature chefs bringing restaurants and now they're competing with the restaurants downtown and with the chains in the suburbs and you got people saying the same things is the market oversaturated well what they Again, didn't realize, and Dan brought this up earlier. You have all this, all these this influx of young people, uh, business types, you know, moving into you know neighborhoods like Tremont, like Ohio City. Uh, now it's starting to branch out even further into places like Cams Corners, West Park, and um, Detroit Showway. And it'd be nice if we were to see more of this on the east side, places like Slavic Village, Central Kinsman places they're you know places that you know, if, if you're in the suburbs you've probably never been to these neighborhoods in Cleveland but, but I digress the mark they said the market was oversaturated restaurants if it wasn't they were completely wrong and I feel like they're exactly it's exactly the same situation with the breweries and there's a lot of collaboration too oh absolutely
3: they all they all support
1: they all, all work together you yeah. get coffee shops and breweries working yeah. together get donut
3: shops and breweries working yeah, together yeah brew nuts. shout out to brew nuts shout out brew nuts you also get breweries working together yeah. I feel like every time I'm in a local brewery now they have a collab beer mm-hmm. and I'm like okay. oh
2: alright that's cool yeah.
3: yeah. alright well thanks guys
0: appreciate the, the talk on that that was interesting um that's uh pretty much
3: gonna do it right? yeah. yeah Yeah. I just wanted to run through two events real right, yeah, yeah, fast sure. obviously beer fest is the big one we already went through that um the rink at Wade Oval, so this, if you're into ice skating, maybe you have kids, maybe you just like ice skating, Wade Oval in uh, the Cleveland, is it Cleveland Heights or University Circle area, East Cleveland. So the address is 10A20 East Boulevard, Cleveland. Uh, they have a public ice skating rink, $2 to get in, $3 to skate rentals, students get $1 off both. Uh, they also have ice skating lessons available on Saturdays from noon to 1.00. The Steve, rink is open. East Fridays. Boulevard.
0: Where is that? Is that East Cleveland or University Circle? Uh, yeah,
2: that's right, in the University Circle. That's what area. I thought. Okay, that's University Circle. Always passing the technical college. Yeah, yeah. So that area.
3: He's a um, he's a human roadmap. There we go. The rink is open Fridays from three to nine p.m., Saturdays from noon to seven, and Sundays from noon to five p.m. We're gonna drop a link on that, of course, to get more information. And again, this is the third week we've been mentioning it, but it sounds like fun. Winterfest twenty nineteen. This is February 9th in Tremont Tap House in Tremont. Free admission, but if you want to participate in the games, of which there's four, different options, you have to pay for those. Uh, winners of the games will uh, get some pretty cool prizes, including a night downtown, uh, two tickets to the Indians, dinner at Butcher and the Brewer, um, and then second prize is a $50 gift card to Butcher and the Brewer or Tremont Tap House. Third prize is a $25 gift card to Butcher and the Brewer or Tremont Tap House. Um, other than that, it's just a fun event. They're going to have special winter ales on tap. Uh, and again, it's free if you're not participating in the games. They're going to have food as well to pair with the beer. And
2: that's about it for the events this week. You know, strange as it sounds, it's, the weather is actually not going to be that bad this, this coming weekend. You know, we're just talking about cloudy and temperatures in the 20s. I know that sounds cold, but if you think that's cold, do not look at the seven-day forecast you're welcome.
1: Oh, I mean, we're in, we're, oh, yeah, we're in the middle end of January. This is when it's going to be the coldest
0: it's been all year.
1: Yep. It's, we're due for it. It's going to happen. Brace yourselves. Winter is not only coming, it's here. So.
0: Yep. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out on iTunes or SoundCloud, whichever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, check out our website, lotlpodcast.com. Like we said, we're going to be posting some stuff from Beer Fest this week, uh, this weekend, and uh, we're going to be posting Steve's next article on the uh, Sports Take blog, uh, so look out for that. Uh, Also, check out our social media pages. We'll be posting pictures there as well from Beer Fest, uh, so check us out at the LOTL podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week. Uh, with our Beer Fest review, and we will dive deep in the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll see if our predictions change at all. And then uh, we will also have a, a new What's Happening segment and a new Top 5, new poll, and all that good stuff. So, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks a lot uh, for Jordan, for our old co-host, Paul, for our lotlpodcast.com correspondent, Steve. And for Tom and Mal for hanging out with us, I'm Dan. This has been Living Off the Land, and uh, we will catch you guys next week. Jimmy, will be back. So all you millennials out there, (laughs) he'll be back. So we'll catch you guys next week. See you later.